Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Episode of Let's Talk More Movies, <laughs> the show where we try and talk about movies, but never really talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin, and our live musician for the week is McLean. I'm Don, <laughs> and to my left is Jack Cole. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> and to my right is Colin Heron. What's up, everybody? Nothing. Just good to be back. I thought that fucking sad. weirdo bastard that Colin was taking my space last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to be back here. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, a quick thing I want to mention from last week is uh, I had I had the whole debacle with the Die Hard theory last week, mm-hmm. and it fell through. But then I remembered what my problem was. The Russian it's, thing? It's just foreign baddies. Yeah, uh, no, she, he corrected you on that? No, no, no. Because I, I said Russian <sighs> baddies, but then the, the uh, one and three are German. But it's just foreign baddies was my point. I leave for one Because it's two and four domestic, <laughs> I believe, American. At home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they're in cahoots with... with uh, about a, a, a foreign uh, well, enemy. What's, what's the one with fucking Tommy Fee Elephants? The, the cyber terrorist. That's uh, so bad. Oh my god, uh, it's so bad. Isn't it like John McLean? He fucking does the EPK and he shoots himself through the shoulders. Uh, they nab him. Uh, Pish. One of the. <laughs> uh, but, um, one of the shadiest moments come out of the film. Right? <laughs> I yeah. But I, I just, I just want to say that just I had to get it off my chest. But. I'm done. No problem. Nobody's going to hold up against you. Count my jets. Count my jets. Do we have? Oh no. Do we have a danger bottle this week, or is it at the vilest concoction known to man that Don McLennan has brought? Yeah. Don McLennan has mixed Buckfast, aka Commotion Lotion, aka Reckless Juice, as we've said before, with Tesco Value vodka. It, it actually looks like Tesco Value, you know, s- soy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. No. The biggest bottle of soy sauce you've ever seen. Well, you never too much soy sauce. We, we, have to, we have to do it, boys. It's part of the show. It's part of the show. Here you go, Chen. Ah, don't give it to me first. Oh, I, I love how you give it to me. I love, like, when I was in Portugal last week. when you Oh, yeah, how, how was your holiday? Oh, man. The most I've ever drank in my life. Like I said. Uh, and that's really saying something. It was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was 41 grown men just going fucking mental for four days in a hotel in Portugal. Uh, the thing that the thing that said it to me, the how mental it was, was... I spotted three 50-year-old men drinking a jug of fat frog for breakfast at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really set the tone for the weekend. That was only the second thing. I don't do it, now. <laughs> we, had, we had a man fall down a flight of stairs. He was fine. We had a man trip in the bath because he was trying to use the shower head as a fake cock. They, they soaked the other boy. He had to be rushed to a at 7 o'clock in the morning. I dropped my phone down the toilet on the first night. That's that fucked. Had to buy another one. Nightmare. 
But yes, anyway, I'm, I'm just stalling. That's a stalling tactic, just because I don't want to drink this. Go on, go on email the insurance company and say, uh, I dropped my phone down the toilet and pushed on it. <laughs> go and give me an hour round. Was there any shite on it? Is there any shite on it? I'm going to do for you. <laughs> no, I watched that. No, I watched that. I watched that. My hands were good. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> Both pass and vodka. This is going to be one hundred percent terrible. But it's probably just going to taste like fucked up. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fucked it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not even trying to exaggerate. It's really your face. I don't think I've, I've ever I seen my, you squint. I think my eyes have sucked out of the fucking back of my head. <laughs> That's absolutely woeful. Is your uh, your mouth as well? It was like exactly like an up, like an upside down smile. His <laughs> face just turned into a wrinkled ball bag for about two seconds. He just turned into like a frowny emoticon. <laughs> turned into an eight year old man for a couple of seconds. <laughs> okay, let's try this shit. Yeah, that's pesh. The verdict. It just is like bug fans. Oh, no, I think it's fucking awful. Yeah. You're a hardy man. You're a hardy man. You're a hardy man. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. I'm getting an aftertone of bugging. Yeah, <laughs> you get the aftertaste of bugging. I'm drinking bugging. I can fucking taste it right at me chops straight away. Get this word up right me. This is. I'm not drinking already. You awful bastard. This. Ah, exactly. Heron is now also turned on an 80 year old man. Jesus Christ. Here, Don, you at least need to have a sub. You have to have one sub. I feel like I've squint for the rest of the day. Just, ooh. That is Frankenstein's monster. Turns you in. You just have Clint Eastwood face after. It's just. not a bar that, man. He's back I, on the bottle. He's I, back on it. I thought he was nearly going to down the whole bottle. Oh, he's, he's taking his clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the wheels are through oh, the other wagon. It's <laughs> fucking awful. Uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> that's a, see, that, that says more about you, Michael. It, it really does, yeah. doesn't it? Right. <laughs> Leave it out there and I just in case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my fucking wrong. So I might be all, ta- all fart and no smell now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see how I fucking I'll see how I have it around. I definitely, that bottle's going to be done by the end of the podcast. Uh, it's it's going to be a very messy podcast. I can work at 9 o'clock in the morning. What the fuck am I doing? I'm off, baby. Oh, fuck you. This is my, my holidays now, just, just on this blanket port for a week. Like, if you drink that whole bottle, you ain't gonna have your holidays. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be in this house all weekend. <laughs> this podcast goes up a week late. Because I'm fucking passed out. It a danger bottle. This podcast lasts about 15 minutes. <laughs> Did you watch any good last week, though? Or? I watched uh, the, the Purple Rose of Cairo. It was a film that I was What's circling that, for a long time. It's I think it's 1985's Woody Allen. Right? It's absolutely, oh, fuck. Fuck, it's absolutely excellent. Give you a quick synopsis. Essentially, what it is, it's set in the Great Depression era America. I think it's set in New Jersey. Mm. Mia Farrow, who's obviously like a stalwart of like uh, Woody Allen's films before the whole fucking incident and like a really messy breakup. Uh, she plays. She was his ma or something, what was it? No, no. She <laughs> 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 I just got that. <laughs> you thought he was talking with the film or something? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, she plays uh, this waitress, Great Dep- Depression era, uh, America. Uh, she's got a really shitty life, really abusive, uh, alcoholic husband. He like fucking beats her constantly. It's played by uh, Danny Ailey from like uh, Do the Right Thing. Oh, fuck, like, yeah, fucking yeah. excellent Great actor. actor. That's besides the point. The way she escapes this really shitty life is by going to the cinema, uh, the local cinema, watching these kind of, you know, films of the time, the 1930s, you actually like Fred Astaire and like the, the Broadway melodies, melodramas and stuff like that. But this new film comes on the town. It's called The, the Purple Rose of Cairo. Again, it's a melodrama, and there's a character in it who's like really charming, called Tom Baxter, played by uh, Jeff Daniels. Oh. And oh. 
Yeah, no, Jeff Daniels. I know. <laughs> oh. and I love Jeff Daniels. It's one of the main reasons I watch it and as well. I've been circling it because I always heard it was excellent. But uh, when she's going to the cinema to try and escape her really fucking shitty life, uh, he walks out of the screen. He just from nowhere, he walks out of the screen. Mm. He's all about the new and he kind of... Yeah, he's done her. that a few times, hasn't he? What are you on, like? What? He's sort of done that a few times. The film he looks, he looks, I thought you meant Jeff Daniels has walked out of a screen with the cinema. <laughs> watching Dumb and Dumber and he just fucking jets out. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the, the big puppy van just... <laughs> Aye. Aye, he just fucking comes out with fall by a lack of birds just he fucking does all that's, that's, that's classic not, Jeff Daniels not, not <laughs> yeah, like, that's pretty much his trademark <laughs> uh, but yeah anyway so he comes out he, he shows her like the time of your life and stuff like that and what I really liked about the film is that it just has a really nice basic message of like the joy that kind of cinema can give you and if you're in a really shitty place like obviously we that the main character in the Great Depression it's just a, a source of like escapism for a lot of people but what I liked even more about it was they flip that in its head and it also questions why do humans need to escape reality so much and is escaping reality through cinema or through any sort of art form a bad thing because it kind of softens you to like the harsh reality of the real world and it can't uh, prevent does it, you does it make you ignorant like Aye, does, uh, it, does it prevent you from dealing with your problems or can I uh, stunt you as a human being and that is driven home at the very end I'm not going to spoil anything but it is an absolute fucking fuck I must watch it. sucker I punch I mean a fucking sucker punch of an ending because it's such an uplifting film the whole way through and then from fucking nowhere at the very end usually you can see a sort of downer ending or twist ending coming it, it knocked me for six I wasn't expecting it and it, it, it drives that point home of, of, of like you know do we rely too much on on earth or, or film to kind of to get ourselves through but it's brilliant it's definitely worth a watch uh, I'll, I'll do something different for the recommendation yeah. later on but it was like I said it was one I was wanting to watch for a long time but lived up to expectations right. I, I think if I watched that film it would just shine too much of a light mm -hmm. on myself See, I kind of found that too <laughs> so I was like I watched aye. films flat out they kind of helped me uh, escape think <laughs> next, next the of life aye. next week's podcast going to be uh, less talk more picnics <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk more mountain climbing or something aye, like exactly. Going and experience the world. Instead of sitting in a dark room. Let's talk more dog walking. <laughs> 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 what did you watch? Um, Don. Watched a uh, Friday the Week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite times. Yeah, it was a recommendation. You recommended it a few weeks back. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah mm. that's it. Um, I don't really have much to say on it other than that's a good film. I haven't really delved into it. You know what I mean? Here comes a pain. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, uh, <laughs> but do you know that? But do, do you not kind of feel out of watching Carly Goes Way because obviously that, like GTA Vice City was such a big hit, and like that took such a big fucking inspiration. Sean Penn's character. No, but even not Sean Penn's character. Sean Penn's character is completely based. Do you not like? Kind was of he? Oh fuck, so he was. Aye, aye, aye. He's the yeah. He's a lawyer. Ah fuck. You kind of just see how good that performance is, and it just inspired them. They make this. I think everybody, everybody hates him in that film. That's the good thing. Uh, but it's like Kevin Bacon and Sleepers. Like people wouldn't watch Kevin Bacon after that, and people wouldn't watch Sean no, Sean Penn after that. Sort of because they're like he's so good in that. No, nah. I think it's like it's really like Mystic River, and people go, "Alright, fuck, I maybe I don't know." It's sort of bring it back, but it's Curator's <laughs> Way is uh, easy. It's one of the best films, and it, it's because I, I sometimes talk about Brad Palma, who I think sometimes is a wee bit style over content, which you know, like Black Dahlia, I think is a good example of that. But I think in a case of Curator's Way, you have. You know, you brand a Palma, proper style, and then you have like two fucking heavyweights as the two leads, like, and I think there's not, you don't want to stay worried about it, really, like. Yeah. 
No, I mean, like, it, it fucking did it, it flew sweet. And it's one of those ones I think Charlie goes away. I've got a chat in a few weeks back. Maybe it's not a hangover film because it is about fucking full on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's so familiar. And it's one of those films that you've probably seen so many times. Mm-hmm. That you can stick it on. May not as be to you, but you've seen them as much as I have. <laughs> you know. As I say, it's like background noise. You know what I mean? See uh-huh. if you're doing like fucking sitting, typing something on the laptop or just surfing mm-hmm. the internet or whatever. It's just one of those films you get it on the background and you just feel comfortable with. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It is like it, it's such fucking dread in that film too. Like you know, just that's that scene on the boat. I'll not oh, say too much, but uh, and there's just the voiceover. People forget that, but you know, like everybody's all oh, voiceovers, voiceovers. But you know, there's a great voiceover in it. He, he really does. Like I read the book again after it, and uh, the what the film's based on. The book is actually called After Hours, but the uh, I think because Scorsese had a, a film called After Hours, they didn't call it After Hours. But uh, the name Carried His Way is actually based on the first book, which is like, similar enough to, like, say, 25th Hour. You know, it's like a, you know, a criminal sort of coming up, you know, and sort of he, he gets busted and he goes to jail and this kind of thing. And all the first Carried His Way is a bit more like that. So much so the, the there's a line in it. You do what you have to to survive. And that's in 25th Hour as well. Maybe it's a nod because it's a similar story. But uh, it's both two New York drug crime films, like, and all. And... Uh, but they make it really Shakespearean. It's a, it's a great film. I keep forgetting Vigo Mortensen's in that. Yeah. Aye, Vigo, aye. Yeah. Aye. Yeah, I think that everybody can. Fucking diapers, man. Who <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta go around with? <laughs> I can't walk. I can't hump. You know? Does <laughs> <laughs> it just turn on the old woman? I <laughs> How can you fuck the only people that ever care for you? <laughs> How can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. Have you been trying to come up? You come prepared for uh, You lost, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 fuck, I love that ball. So like. good. What have you watched this week? Mickey Heron? Um, I Heron? watched a. Mm-hmm. Small film this I week. Really <laughs> <laughs> I bet the boxing promoter. I was thinking about a boxing promoter. I'm Mickey Heron. I know I watched uh, Jurassic World this week. Bam. What was it like? Pesh? Uh, and it was, it was a <laughs> lot of fun. Okay. It's, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just a lot of fun. Mm. It's great. You say a lot of fun because... Do you, you feel like a Wayne so watching much? it? Do you feel like a big kid watching it? I know. It, it, <laughs> it definitely... It, it, has, it has a lot of old feeling about it in reference to the first Jurassic Park. Like... It does reference it a lot. Some might say too much, but does it feel am, like amazing the way the first? You know, like as in you look up and you see you know, like the wonder. There's a bit of wonder in it. Like it's not awe inspiring like the first one was. Uh, like, but it, I mean, like you, you can never because of the, the quality, of, like special effects and graphics, and like, you were never going to because I mean the animatronics and stuff they got in the original Jurassic Park were like fucking the best, the best of the time, mm. and that's what kind of what set Jurassic Park on its way as being this huge fucking franchise you were never going to recapture that sort of awe and wonder no you know mm-hmm. what I mean it would have been impossible to do that but I mean it's, it, it doesn't embarrass itself like fucking Jurassic Park 3 or whatever no I, w- I would say it's it's better than it's better in 2 and 3 and it's it's a great watch and I would I would recommend it it's what about the, the new fucking leading superstar on earth Chris Pratt does he continue to form <laughs> He, Such a point to dinosaur. He, <laughs> the new fucking superstar, the the fucking the T Rex, you know, the, whatever the fuck are calling it. Oh, the uh, I the, can't even mind the name, the, the abominable Rex or something. <laughs> it's uh, not that, but it's on stupid. The Cloverfield. But uh, no, yeah, Chris Chris Pratt is good at it. He's, it, I like the fact that his character is different from like is like 
is Chris Pratt basically, like from yeah. Star Lord or from Parks and Rec. Really? He's he's not as quippy. He's not, like he he has more serious. Is it more a man's man on it? Um, not 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 even like well, I he has he's, tra- he's training fucking raptors like, but he he doesn't go on like I'm a man kind of thing. He need to be hard as nails. I'll be fucking training raptors. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, you have to be a fucking psycho. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the one thing is, is that when I seen Chris Pratt, I'm actually kind of disappointed. I haven't obviously seen it yet, but I'm kind of disappointed that he wasn't as quippy because when I seen him, I thought he is that perfect blend of Sam Neill and Goldblum. You know what I mean? He's that perfect blend. I know. I I thought that's what it was going to be like as well, but he he does have a few like he does have a few clips in there kind of but he has a, a lot more of a serious reaction here like it's a good thing it's a good development for him because i mean i know because I, I, I don't really want him to just fall back on the whole star lord thing because he even said that himself that that's his kind of go-to place is mm-hmm. being kind of self-deprecating kind of funny kind of like thing Andy and Parks and Rick, that's yeah kind of honed in a shtick you know what i mean but mm-hmm. uh no it's it'd be good to see him develop because i think he is phenomenally talented yeah, he's fucking he, and he, he could yeah. be like the biggest fucking actor in Hollywood. He's uh, getting there, right? Like you know, it's not I always say like, I, it's not I, I, I really believe this. Like somebody that can do comedy and do it well can do anything. Like, I mean, right. Shia LaBeouf, like, I mean, whatever rap he gets, he's a fucking tremendous actor, and, you know. And he, he started off even Stevens, though. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> like, that's exactly what I'm saying. Everybody like, forgets like. as well, I mean, for fuck's sake, Tom Hanks started out as a comedy actor, mm. fucking Turner and Hooch, big shit like that. Uh, and then he uh, went Bism on Buddies, <laughs> is sicko. Bachelor Party. Oh, Jesus. What? <laughs> I didn't even know about that. Bism Buddies, he did, he did two series of it, him, oh. him and, uh, oh, can I mind the other boy, it was him... It was two boys living in this apartment, and for some reason they had to pretend to be women. Oh, and this is called like, bosom boys. It actually sounds like a plotline. They won awards left, right, center. That's that's where Tom Hanks started. I never really started. I just thought he did kind of like low key comedy. That'd be a good topic: comedians turned actors, yeah. and how you successfully or unsuccessfully do it. Bam. so Heron, what did you watch this week? I watched. Uh, well, before last night, I had watched a film. Uh, called seven days in may it was one of those if i don't know if anybody is off during the day or freelance and you have time film four start showing really great films from the 40s at about 12 noon through day about four and this one was called seven days in may i think it was maybe the third film that kirk douglas and burt lancaster done together they don't seven in total but this was one of them was a black and white film set just before pearl harbor and it was during sort of, I think uh, there was there was sort of trust and stuff from, uh, I think it was there was trust and stuff from the Russians and stuff and this kind of thing and all. But there was there was the Cold War was still kind of well and truly sort of you know and it's up and that kind of thing. But um, it starts off as a plot to uh, if uh, Kirk Douglas' character realizes there's a plot to perhaps overthrow the government yeah. militarily, like sort of, and. Uh, I think he uncovers it and brings it to the president, and then the rest of the film is trying to find proof of this. Yeah. And because it's it's back in the day, there's not wiretapping, there's none out there, so it has to be letters and written letters, and all, which I really love, like and oh, all. And that's sort of saboteur stuff, you know what I mean? Aye, where, where proper because, aye. because it's letters, it has to be kind of more close in. You know, aye, you can't aye. you can't attack someone from far. You aye. have to be in there. Spying and the thing properly. is, the person has to bring things to you. So if somebody gets killed along the way. Then you know that's that's that evidence gone. You can't send, you can't email it, you can't scan it, none of that. I think it's why now with like like Hitchcock films and Fall is like it, you know, like a kind of spy genre, they were way more effective back then because like you your MacGuffins and your plots were so yeah. important, you know what I mean? But this was brilliant as well because like I think 
it looked like apart from maybe the car scenes or something like that yeah. there where they like shot against the screen everything else was on location and it just it just had such a righteousness that sort of like preempted like the the paranoia of like you know spy came from the cold or something like yeah. that there and it was just brilliant and Kirk Douglas was great in it and Burt Lancaster he, he plays like this sort of right wing you know dictatory kind of yeah. uh, I think he's like the head of military or something like that in it and uh, they just did they shoot it there's a really interesting scene where he's watching the uh, it's the first thing that kind of got my attention really because if Kirk Douglas is on because I think Kirk Douglas just makes great films he's just got such a presence he does he's, I mean he, he is one of the actors that sort of he bags it up a wee bit too much he performs a wee bit too much I don't know so, on like, occasion he's I mean, in the hole you know even nobody, maybe, I, maybe Spartacus a wee bit over the top uh, no but I, I think it's just because he, he he's all that time I mean, he does get you know when he played Bath and Goff and all he was he was definitely more he, he can do all these different things mm. but I just it don't matter what I think he's great you know, you know, you know his emotions. You know, because he, you're just—he's he, that good at just displaying them right there in the end. There's no arson around it. Like, but uh, there's a scene where he's watching the Burt Lancaster character on TV, mm-hmm. and the way they cut it, you know, the way they're cutting what's on TV, and the way they're cutting back to him, yeah. and the way they're going back and forth. It's just—it's really. I found it just really modern. Really, like it wasn't even of its time. It was just really interesting the way they were doing it. And um, well, it was one. I mean, it, that was going to be my film, but then. Yeah. I have to talk about it. Uh, Contact. I watched it for the first time ah, last night. Yes. I fucking love Contact. I love Robert Zemeckis. And yeah. I think I was saying to you uh, that it's the only, apart from Beowulf, which I'm not going to watch, but uh, it's the only <laughs> Zemeckis. It was the only. Uh, the, uh, it was the graphics just looked like they were kind of trying think, to achieve too uh, much at the time. Polar Express. Kind of I was alright. I was alright with Polar Express. They that's right. But like Zemeckis's kind of motion capture, it's the DNA syndrome. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. Where it just seems to be. They're actually what do you call it? The uncanny valley. Yeah. Where they're kind of they're they're they look too much like humans, but they still don't look quite human enough. So uh, they give off this massively fucking uh, creepy vibe. You know what I mean? But there's like. Uh, and it's funny because when I was thinking about it last night, then I realised there's that sort of talkative character with the glasses and Polar Express. Just quickly, this is about two or three films now instead of just contact. But oh, yeah. character with the glasses, and actually, uh, there's uh, Zemeckis first featured on the film. I want to hold your hand. It's about a group of uh, kids in the middle of Beatlemania, and they're trying to get into this concert in New York. It's really lovely, okay, nostalgic, what? brilliant film, and some of the techniques in it are brilliant. Where they show the real Beatles on, on like the camera screen of yeah. the, the camera the broadcast camera but then the background out of focus you've got actors timing it exactly they yeah, want, it's really really yeah. clever stuff like that but there's a character in that with the glasses and he's really similar to the Polar Express character and I think it's sort of half based in the same character it's, uh, he's, he's, I mean, uh, it's the, same, the same actor yeah. plays him too the same actor uh, yeah. fuck he's definitely coming full uh, exactly. circle but anyway contact um, I think he's a really good example of someone who knows how to use effects mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I mean and like Forrest Gump and stuff he and this kind of thing I mean, he knows a he doesn't rip a bag at it like I Forrest Gump I mean well obviously I, well you know, I don't know obviously like we're saying about Poor Express and then I think he'd done a Christmas Carol or, or something Christmas Jerry, Carol yeah. and he was kind of oh, yeah. he was kind of derided you know about like his they says it obviously unbelievably ballsy for using these effects, but the technology mm. wasn't quite there. But I mean, like he achieved as much as what anybody else could achieve. Ah, exactly. I mean, he put he went went straight forward. He, I think he just he showed where it was at and mm. technicolor. You know what I mean? He showed what you could do at that time and this kind of stuff. But anyway, I'll go back to what we were saying about contact. Is I think he's a really good example of someone who uses effects when it's necessary or when it's useful to the story Aye. or when when you absolutely need it, as opposed to just fucking using it for the sake of using them. Yep. You know and. There's so many scenes in this here that you know. I mean, they shot actually. I was watching that. There's a satellite they sh- uh, that they use at the start. And it was all they were is, oh, 
I'm happy to sat in my dues and gold now. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know at the end the, the big dish is all it has to be whatever and then went on to Wikipedia or IMDb or whatever and all, sure enough it was the same one using Goldeneye oh, it's yes. just identical as all the <laughs> but I think Goldeneye was in 85 and this was in 87 yeah. or something like that but uh, I was just about to crack with that but then it's it, it, uh, Cremode when it came out compared it to Interstellar I think it's really similar to Interstellar but I think it's a lot better than Interstellar. I think what they talk about, I mean, the main duality throughout the film. Interstellar gets butchered every week. I know it does. No, I know it does. It's because. No, right. I'm not, not laughing at that. It's, it's the way he said it. It's, it sounded like when Contact came out, he compared it to Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, the action yeah. of Interstellar <laughs> is also a psychic. He was saying that I mean, people were comparing it to 2001 Interstellar when it came out. No, but he compared it to Contact, and that got dead on. It's very similar to it. Like some yeah. of the themes explored are quite similar, but in Contact, uh, what they compare more is the idea of uh, science over religion, mm-hmm. and they do it. I mean, Zemeckis does do this where we're. I mean, I think Zemeckis is more just about. What what the human spirits after, yeah. you know what I mean, and whether that whether that is God driven or whether that's yeah. just you know existential driven and this kind of thing, and or this is, is what the song fun. that we just kind of muster ourselves, you Aye. know what I mean, that song that's not come from any sort of place. Or was, you were saying something earlier about are we driven by? Ah, uh, you were saying what were you talking about earlier? I was chatting about the, like the influence of film on people's lives and how they're trying to escape like realism. And well, stuff I, like that there I was sort of thinking about that because I, I was going to bring up contact because th- there there's a driving force behind uh, Jodie Foster's character. And sometimes you do think about it, is it just a driving force because it's an escapism from mm. uh, what happened in her past? Or is it a driving towards trying to... You only know it when you, when you, if you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Or is it driving towards trying to uh, get to this place that she was before when she was a kid? Um, I just think it was... I just found it far more intelligent. I found it far less baggy. And I found that it, it, it shocked me. Generally shocked me yeah. in parts. You know, and... Uh, Gary Busey's son. We'll bring back Gary Busey again. <laughs> yeah. His son, Jake Busey. We have to mention line? Gary Busey. And What's the line? Speak into the microphone, squid brain. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we missed it last week. We missed it last week. Uh, the only but, uh, thing missing from last week. Gary Busey's son, uh, Jake Busey's in it, and he plays a, a somewhat detrimental part in it. Oh. And uh, But uh, go watch, it's great. Definitely. Okay, so. we'll move on now to news. Dun, 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 dun. That's copyright. <laughs> <laughs> That's copyright. <laughs> we can't use that. Cut okay. that out. Well, it's just record uh, the the cathedral well, in Derry. The guild hall. That's not copyright. That's our fucking cathedral. Uh, anyway. Um. Okay. Ha <laughs> 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 Okay. Uh, Rupert Wyatt is to direct the Gambit movie. Rupert Wyatt. Like, 
I think there's just on that people find inherently cool about like playing cards and the whole glitz and glamour nah. about it. But then when you want to focus a whole film on a casino, you realise very quickly that cards are really fucking boring after yeah. a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. And usually films like one of the few ones to do it really well was was a film. Fuck, it's actually literally just popped in the twenty one. No, not twenty one. I was going to say twenty one. Not twenty one. Lucky, the, lucky the, me or lucky? What do you call it? No, it's the cooler. You ever seen the cooler? Oh, the cooler's brilliant. The cooler's next on show. It's uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, William H. Macy ah, he's brilliant playing a bastard not only, uh, yeah, I think he was Oscar nominated I think it might have been his first Oscar nomination uh, Boulder. I'm not quite sure no William H. Macy I'm not no. quite sure Maria Bellows in it too but it's about they've got nah. these things apparently in casinos called coolers who are like people who apparently just go over the tables people who are on a hot streak they're employed by the casino they go over and try and throw them off their game or throw them off their kind of streakler look and William H. Macy plays that but then he gets involved with the casino and blah 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 but that was good because it took an element of casino life that most people me personally I wasn't aware of and it, you know it kind of made it more character driven whereas you just focus on like the heist and the betting and all that it's not so good but anyway I've completely went off point Gambit <laughs> uh, Gambit for me growing up was like fucking probably my favourite X-Men you know was, it I mean? Taylor Kitsch? It's, it was it Taylor Kitsch in no, the Wolverine it was, film it was Taylor Kitsch in the Wolverine film yeah. but now it's Channon Tatum it's Channon Tatum Channon Tatum doesn't suit Gambit whatsoever does see, he fuck no see, see because that, that's, yeah. that's what I thought when I first heard it but then if you actually kind of look at him you could see him, but Gambit. Look, like he Gambit. looks like him, but Gambit's tall and skinny and kind of. Gambit's tall, and skinny. He's supposed to have this sort of kind of European charm and like kind of a rather. Taylor Kitsch about was him. perfect. Do you know he would have been I perfect? Know, he, he said he's going to try the accent. Oh, he's not going for that French accent, does he? <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, like, I, I think I think one off. of the most like. I kind of pleasing things they see in the past couple of years like Shannon Tatum used to get mad mad fucking hit like, who was your lad that played fucking Prince Caspian he'd be fucking really good that was oh, Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't it no no, Prince Prince Caspian. Ca- oh no Ben Barnes sorry Ben Barnes, ben yeah. Barnes. He'd be a good like, his fucking career disappeared he, was, he had like uh, fucking Dorian, Dorian Gray, Gray as well, well and that, just it wasn't bad actually I enjoyed Dorian Gray yeah, it was alright he was in like Kellen Bono as well yeah. it was alright yeah. Bono all. hey Bono Bono <laughs> Bono Bono, Bono. What's this? <laughs> 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 what was I going to say? Yeah, I don't really give a fuck about Gambit. It's, it's why they say that. See, I think I, I thought you. This is why I put this in. I thought you'd be interested. Yeah, no, like I was interested. I, I like Gambit, and as you know yourself, I'm a big kind of fucking fan of Channing Tatum. And I think that you know the fact that his career fortunes have kind of surged up after 21, 22 Jump Street, and he, he kind of showed that he could act and you know take the puzzle. Even Magic Mike, I thought he was very good. He's now good he's kind of subtle, dramatic performance. I kind of like the fact that he says, you know, fuck you to everybody who kind of give him a bit of grief for being a pretty boy, but he's not Gambit. He's going to fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any good side effects? Side effects always one fun one that I watch. I st- I'm circling that. Never. I still haven't ah, seen that at all. It's on my still list. still haven't seen side effects. Next news. Uh, Jack Houston has left the Crow reboot. Thank fuck. Jack Houston is Rich, is Richard Harrow, my favourite character. Most people, as, they, as they're called, heroin addicts. <laughs> right, uh, yes, uh, they're called heroin. Like, it was uh, Richard Harrow, Boardwalk Empire. He was like uh, a war veteran, absolute ice cold fucking killer. Uh, yeah, he was basically essentially a hitman, but uh, it was it, it was really well written. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Oh. When he went on, he but he kind of he was like a kind of dark horse. Can we show a picture of him just to see? Yeah, you, you know for a fact, uh, a, a friend of your, a friend of ours dressed up as him one one year for Halloween. But anyway, <laughs> Richard Harrow, he was fucking so good in that there, and he showed what he could do. He had a wee cameo as well, and he was one of the, the sort of better things in uh, America. No, American Hustle. Huh? That's Richard Harrow. Oh, I don't know if I'm yeah. going <laughs> But uh, excellent at that there. Showed that he had a fucking serious amount of talent, and I think that The Crew is such a fucking one-note character. I think as well that The Crew films 
are pretty fucking shit and they're only really famous because it's what they say because of the whole Brandon Lee thing well and it's only the one with Brandon Lee and then the, from that thing because he died on it uh, they did a bunch of shit like straight D- 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 yeah I know that but even the, even the original crew of Brandon Lee is pretty fucking poor like I've seen it, but I honestly can't remember. Yeah, it's it been so long. Like it's been so. It's sort of but I mean, I, I don't know. I think that I think it would have been tacky as fuck. And for me, really liking uh, Jack. Sorry, Jack. I was going to say Richard. Jack Houston. I think it would be a. I think it'd be a kind of her career move. But wait, with this Crow reboot that they've been trying to do, like they've had big names attached. It. They've had Bradley Cooper and they had Luke Evans. Yeah. And they had someone else like any mind. Probably just read, but, read it. But and go, pe- fuck I, the people shit. keep dropping out of it. Like and it's, it's not like, a good sign though. It's like troubled yeah. production, as they say. You know what I mean? It's the infamous yeah. troubled production. Yeah. But like I think, just get, gonna give it a shout out there, and you can move on to the next news. Do you know who I think will be a perfect fucking crew? Crowbar, Ezra Miller. Boom. Oh. He will be a perfect crew. Ezra Miller mm. from. Uh, we need to talk about, we need to talk about Kevin and the perks of being a wallflower yeah. and the upcoming uh, Stanford prison experiment. But anyway, next news. <laughs> well, what about Russell Crowe? And then every so often when there's a... There's a <laughs> uh, there's Russell Crowe. Uh, every so often there's a, there's a crew pun that he's just all... He gives you a wee <laughs> wank to the camera. <laughs> just, you know, five stone uh, Directed by Robert Rodriguez or something. <laughs> yeah. You know it's me. <laughs> Fuck, it's Zach Galifianakis or whatever the fuck you pronounce his name. He's the crew now. So, yeah. Galifianakis? Is this? Okay, fair you're, enough. You're terrible with pronouncing names. I, I am. Imagine, 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 imagine Ed Helms was the crew. Oh! The man I hit the least. The most. I hate the least the most. Aye. <laughs> the, the man I hit the least. That's like the man I love the most. Aye, aye, aye. The man I hit the most. He is just like, why is he big? He's passionate. He's fucking crap. He just shouts. He just shouts and says things. He just shouts and says things and acts fucking socially <laughs> awkward. We we all do that. And we're shit. I we can never call it in Hollywood. I, you know I, what I mean? <laughs> Ever. I remember it then a hangover too. Yeah, just, uh, I hate this filming off, but then he just leans back and he's all fucking Ben Cock. I was all, uh, I, if I ever meet you. Exactly. You're oh. every foreign exchange student I've ever met. <laughs> what? It's just that, that sort of fucking people like, oh my God, fucking party, man. Fuck off. Aye. Just that shooting mentality. Yeah. See Pack when he lost him. his tooth, I was like, "What the <laughs> fucking wrestling way would you? Aye. You dick. Fucking anyway. pack it in there. Fucking pack it in there. You don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> I don't mind that, Helms, yeah. but I know I'll move on. Uh, but past- you, what? I was to say, but you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, so I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm taking it. That's miss. just for real. That's, 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 that's hearsay. Um, <laughs> Start the rumor mill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Passengers, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, has been greenlit. Oh, fuck ass. This, this is, is a sci-fi film, and it's the story is Chris Pratt wakes up ten years early from hypersleep. And he's Star-Lord? And he's Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he wakes up ten years early from hypersleep, so then he decides to wake up Jennifer Lawrence just to have a bit of company for the next ten years. Really? And it's yeah. just them on a spaceship for 10 years? Well. Well, I mean, it, but that sounds aye, really fucking interesting. Yeah, that's the general kind of synopsis. But, it, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, a drama or, like, a comedy just, or like, whatever. No, but just just thinking about how they could do that. Because, I mean, there's kind of there's kind of Adam and Eve strands they could sort of yeah, pull it exactly. out. You know what I mean? I know, it creation. sounds really aye, And then, like, do any comp- Are they the only two people or on the ship? Or are there more people no, in hypersleep? There's, there's loads of people in hypersleep. Right, right, right. He chooses her. See, because I think there could be a Fuck, thing. That's of, I think there could be a thing of like she, she's angry that he woke her up. Like, why did why did you wake me up? Aye, because we haven't reached our destination. So I'm no, no, she, no she has reason. to wait for ten years. Yeah. You know I mean? 
No, it sounds really fucking interesting. I mean, like, I think you could get a couple of comedy texts, but I think it'll work far better as a drama. And it sounds more like yeah. a drama because there's only so much comedy coming about two people. Sitting I know, in but like, it, it brings someone up to be like Moon or something like that. There's not That's a exactly what I, I thought of when you said it. Uh, Just one man, obviously, Sam Rockwell playing but, himself constantly. But yeah. there's not a better. I, I mean, there's not better in space films like than the loneliness and the, the proper existential things yes. in space films. And that sounds fucking really interesting. That's what I was going to say earlier on when you were talking about contact. I, I think I brought it up a couple weeks ago, so I'm not dwelling on the point, but a friend of mine said to me, and it always stuck me, is that the best films, best sci-fi films, are the films that look at what it means to be a human being. Exactly. Moon does that perfectly. What What is being a human? Why are we here? All those sort of fucking huge exactly, existential yeah, yeah. questions. Moon done it. Contact does and it too. Contact does mm-hmm. it. And then, I think passengers could do that as well mm-hmm. between two people and like find out about each other. But anyway, yeah. Plus, Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, no, good They're cast, awesome. good cast. Okay, uh, Kenneth Branagh is going to direct Murder on the Orange Express. Boom, baby. That Branagh Express, you mean? It's <laughs> back, baby. Mm-hmm. How do we feel? What, you want to go first? It's a, it's a was, Mexican stand-up. I was, I, I, was, I was going to make a, a power pun, but I'll just leave it. <laughs> what was your power pun? It's a sequel called Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, well, you, you have to say it wrong. Uh, Pirate. Pirates. They get Pirates. the Pirates pun. Uh, so you, you kind of, it's not really a pun, like. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of shit. It's balls on it. It's actually shit. Cut this out. Got the fish. I keep on laughing. Keep all that shit done. Full fucking thing shit done. But, uh, they're not listening. What was I going to say though? Uh, fucking, oh yeah, Branagh, I mean, I, I fucking love that. Just, yeah, I'm not really going to talk that much about Murder on Express, but, when Branagh did Thor, and I think we were saying like a few weeks back about how mm. I think Thor was the most impressive of like the kind of earlier Marvel films because it had the most work to do and like introduced this like yeah. sort of demigod and the a kind of sort of sort of realistic world. And Branagh done it in fucking spades, and then he's done mm. so much Shakespeare. He's done an amazing film version of Hamlet that I talked Hamlet's about. Hamlet's fucking classy. Hamlet is fucking absolutely excellent. Cinderella he's, was good as well. Cinderella was good. I think Cinderella was about boring. What was the Cinderella did? He didn't really he take did any the live action Cinderella. I mean, obviously. Really? Yeah, what? Who? Oh, I can't, I can't even remember her name. She's a new kind of up and coming star, but uh, he don't. Was that out there recently? Yeah, it was only like a couple of months ago. He don't Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella was okay. I actually felt that was kind of disappointing for Brenna, but oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think it was just a, a kind of. It was a complete another rehash of every hour Cinderella. I know there's not much you can do with it, but you can spice it up in some ways. And but obviously, no, I, I don't. I don't think I was his thing. I think obviously Disney have fucking total creative control, so I'm sure that he was kind of shackled in ways. Like, no, but I, I was happy. It stuck more to the Cinderella story that yeah. we know because the the bit I didn't like about Cinderella was like the the opening like fifteen twenty minutes yeah. where they go into like the backstory of mm-hmm. like Cinderella's mum and then how she her gets dad. her stepmom and all that. I think they kind of the like, wee bond that they bought in the first ten minutes to... about her and her dad was nice and I think nah, Kate Blanchett was fucking disgustingly good in it. Oh yeah, she, she <laughs> comes off as such a cunt. Like you know, I mean that's exactly <laughs> what you want. But uh, aye, but Brana. Yeah, Murder Nor Express, classic tales. I Agatha Christie on there. Yeah, he does really good. We like kind of uh, really old British source uh, material, but it seems who, it's who, what, what, if, what if they modernize it? Nah, they shouldn't. <laughs> Murder on the Bullet in Japan or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, oh. Pora has about fucking five minutes to solve a case. Just. <laughs> <laughs> If it's you, I fucking know what you're doing. I'm not fucking about this time. 
fucking about. It's a short just. <laughs> I know it was you. I know, here, I don't know just goes anyone. I, you know, I, I'll explain it. I know it was you, right? Happy days, the end. I'm not out of Ireland, but I'm fucking trains coming every two Aye. minutes. Aye. No drama guaranteed. It's how many get fucking sushi outside. I'm away. It's him. Just fucking take my, take my. Now it turns on the paro lost in translation. Then just. <laughs> but. Uh, Aye, so keep it in the 30s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, Okay. <coughs> the Stanford Prison Experiment, Boom. as Chan mentioned earlier, the trailer mm. was released for it. What do, what do we think? Well, I mean, I think we kind of have to, if, if people haven't seen the trailer, we have to explain what the, what the Stanford Prison Experiment Aye, was. I don't even, I've seen the trailer, but I don't even know what The Stanford Prison Experiment or. was a, a, an experiment done at Stanford University, and I think it was a psychology department in like the early 70s, and the main premise of the, the experiment was get these kind of young, you know, kind of teenage boys, separate them, some of them choose to be prisoners, some of them choose to be guards, and put them in this sort of fictional prison setting and then just observe them for two weeks. It was, it was, they try to show how prison can affect the, the mentality of people. Yeah, right. So Especially were, the guards. They were, they were doing a prison simulation. It was actually, mm. I think there was more focus on the guards for it. They wanted to see how, because obviously the guards can lock up and go home. Yeah. But they wanted to see how a tiny bit of power can affect people. And it had, fucking catastrophic results because the guards started to become overly committed to their task within a couple of, it had to be abandoned after six days it was supposed yeah, to be a two week experiment and the guards really fucking sunk their teeth on it and it, it was really right. fucked up and I like the trailer because it really gets across that grumness it, it just it seems right. so good it actually seems like I really want to see it because it looks so Engaging, but then at the same time, I don't because I know for a fact it's going to be a hard watch. It's, a, it's, it's going to be a hard watch, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a seriously interesting look at fucking just and everybody's met them in every job you've ever been in or whatever. You've you've met the two sides of it. You've oh met my. the people that no matter how much, how how big they are in the job, they're just sound. Aye. Then you meet the people that they're big and they're fucking assholes. And you get like a slight fucking promotion. Aye. Like biggest slight promotion and then you it's know just... You know who you are. And you Aye. fucking know who you are as well. Stop lusting. Ball bags. Because they don't like Aye. you. Aye. <laughs> See if you're one of them fucking one of them ladder boys. Aye. Fucking slight on. One of them Johnny come lately. Sling your hook. Don't fucking like you. As Holder S1 said, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but what, what I find interesting just about the whole thing of the film in general is that like obviously there's been films done before that are kind of loosely based on the experiment and stuff but this is actually taking the actual story of the experiment and putting it on film like I'm just interested to see like how factual they sticked it because after seeing the trailer I actually looked up a bit of the actual experiment and stuff and it's it's really interesting to, re- to read about but it's just I, wa- I want it to be out really kind of realistic. realistic take yeah because I, I want it to be factual in what they actually do and they don't they don't over kind of glorify yeah. them. like I don't want anybody to end up being dead or anything exactly no because you want it to be an actual study of that experiment because it was so interesting I think that when they actually done the fucking uh, the experiment I don't quote me on this but I'm not sure if there was actually any violence and the trailer shows a bit of violence and maybe even that there's a step too far because I think you could fucking have a, not a lot of fun you know what I mean it's not going to yeah. be a fucking walk in the park but uh, you could mine a lot out of the sort of psychological torture aspect of it you know what I mean maybe that would get a bit boring and obviously it is Hollywood so you have to spice it up a bit and Ezra Miller's on it boom who's fucking an excellent actor like I was saying I think he's one of the best young actors about at the minute although that that line he has in, in the trailers about it's it's really weird the way he delivers it he's like 
they won't let us leave. He says it really weird. He's like turning on me, fucking like some weird sixties cartoon villain. The experiments i watched the trailer for it after right. reading about the experiment because right. it, it actually said like oh that film was based on this as well <laughs> is it any good it's good but it's what sean was saying it is it was made for hollywood yeah you know what i mean mm. it definitely was i'm sorry but hey, see if i was a lot more if i was one of the girls in those experiments i'd be bitten a fucking scorn on everybody <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't give a fuck i'd be all see especially if i was a wanker in my class i don't like i'd be all mere I'm like, I'd be probably, hey, yeah! You'll be fucking the John Wayne boy in the trailer. <laughs> Me uh, sitting there with a pair of sunglasses and I'm a lot dirty. I just try, I, I just try, I'll just try a cool, cool hand look about it. I'll see that bat and fucking slag it up your hole. <laughs> but, uh, Get them fucking shades off you as well. Bit that TV away with a keyboard. But uh, he, even, even, even what they're wearing in the film, like, that was part of the experiment. Like, they made the guards wear, like, big sunglasses. And the and the prisoners were like ball caps uh, at all. They uh, they kind of de like dehumanize them from the people. Like they obviously knew each other, so they when they make them look as, as, as not like yeah. themselves, kind of. I, I imagine that's also they they play on the psychology of what uh, Fun Likely has seen as prisoners and what Fun Likely has seen as guards. Ah, uh, yeah. There's probably something to do with that because, no, I mean... No, but I think that is in the actual experiment. That uh, that's what I'm saying. Been. There's probably... I would imagine there's something to do with that because, I mean, that thing of the guards wearing sunglasses and all and those big aviators is probably, I'd say, directly derived from, from film. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, especially them aviators. That's such an iconic thing. And uh. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's I'm sure that's probably... Oh, yeah. That was, that would link into the whole psychology of it. Like, you, you think is of that, that what, Is that what you associate a guard with? The, the aviators and, you know, that kind of well, stuff? Well, you associate with authority, I suppose. Th- yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because that, at the end of the day, that's what it's about, like, authority and... Mm. Mm. Ever the other side of authority. So. Uh. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll move on to topics. Mm. Who wants to go first? Can I go first yourself? Uh, I'll go first because there's a wee bit of a story behind this one. If <laughs> anyone listened to last week's episode, I make a mention to Gary and Gallagher sent an email. We actually did cover this last week, but then I cut it out from last week's episode because the episode was too long. <laughs> Hold on. So. We're doing it again, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You, okay. Can, you can also send us a question at letstalkmoremovies at gmail.com. <laughs> Please do. We've only got two. <laughs> There's the Facebook as well. Don't tell can, them that. Can you submit uh, questions on the Facebook them. as well? Yeah, you can also find us on, on Facebook. Oh, I was going to say the Facebook. It's very old. <laughs> uh, it's a Let's Talk More Movies podcast and also on Twitter at Talk More Movies. Save a fella end. <laughs> well, you might as well throw, uh, throw it on as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Jay was sending quite a long email explaining what is what the question was about, but fuck it. Right, basically he said he's seen Mad Max and Jurassic World and he thought they were alright, but then people were freaking out saying they loved them. And so generally his question is, what films did you just think were alright that either people seem to love or really hate them? Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler was good, but I mean, I, 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 I really enjoyed Nightcrawler. See, I, I really enjoyed I mean, it, but a lot of people were saying like it was one of the best films of the past ten years. And if, yeah, it's, it's a really good centre performance, but I think a lot. It's of no drive, look. Like, I mean, it's quite, it's quite one know. note as well. I mean, like, how much can you say about how how bad yeah. modern media is? Like, no, I mean, I think I, basically, I think you're flogging a dead fucking pony yeah. with like that no, sort of message that that film is trying to get across. The, I don't even think it's a message of it. I think it's. It, that, I mean, it was the message. Like, I, well, but I think that message is is is, is fair enough. And I honestly, I was I was away for a day or two, and I was with Colin, who was here last week, and uh, 
he just he just got annoyed at me going I couldn't quite put my finger on what I didn't like about it and it just it took me a while to figure it out and it's just because I'm I'm kind of in a, in a cinematography headspace at the minute I'm sort of thinking about that a lot and I think that's what it was for me it was the cinematography just taking milk I'll to her <laughs> <laughs> fuzzy good make feel nice <laughs> I have a sore stomach spark books yeah. but uh, what do you call it uh, and it was it is a cinematography and I've mentioned William Friedkin before but the the way that the cinematography is done on Nightcrawler is it's uh, video journalistic yeah. that's that's the only way it's done yeah. that is the style of the film entirely you know it's handheld and it's uh, it's sort of point and shooty it's kind of gone and running and this kind of stuff whereas I think before the journalism of it you have to focus on the fact that this boy's off his fucking head <laughs> right and that that is actually the first that's the first point of action with this guy he's yeah. mental he fucking kills somebody in the opening scene yeah. or he maims somebody at least and uh, he kill somebody, he? Nah, the fucking boy when he's stealing this ton or whatever the fuck Does it is. Does he not just whack him? Oh, I don't know. You don't know. It, it seems like he fucks yeah. him up. Anyway. I can't imagine. But this way, gonna be the ball game next yeah. week. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? But uh, what do you call it? Uh, fuck you up. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I think what 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 the problem with the cinematography in that film is that it just wasn't well thought out enough. There should have been that duality. If it was William Friedkin, there would be that duality and that split. Or if it was Scorsese, there'd be that split between journalism. And sort of, there'd be a lot of things about looking at yourself. I mean, the only time he do it is when he looks in the mirror and he starts screaming at the mirror. But Jake Gyllenhaal's done it a few times where he just screams at things. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> jarhead. There's, there's a, there's he's, he's just out in Tesco fucking... Ah! So, I don't know what they do. I'll just scream at, I'll just and, scream at and it. And they flip the mirror on that. There's this really like, kind of famous uh, internet meme or photo where it's actually Jake Gyllenhaal laughing at a salad. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but... I mean, they're, they're, I think they, they, they lost it there where it could... I, I know that there, there are... I mean, the cinematography is good, right? But I just think there was an opportunity there to reflect his insanity. But I... I and, Sorry, I I wouldn't say there is a duality to him. I say he's a very focused, pinpoint kind of person. He knows what he wants, yeah, and he is he is a single. Well, see, thought process th- well, that, that's what that's what's annoying. Then uh, even more, if that's what you think, then that's even more annoying because it's shot like uh, it's it's photojournalism. It's shot as if there's no. It's shot as if on the moment. Yeah. He's and and if that's the case, then he's not in the moment. Do you know what I mean? He knows exactly what he wants and he doesn't fucking give a fuck what he has to do to get there. And there's a real direction and a power in that. Whereas the cinematography does not reflect that at all. One thing I don't like, I mean, first of all, I thought the cinematography made the film look fucking really well. That it's was pretty, like, it's really, very pretty, really like, really you know nice. what I mean? But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, you can have a pretty film, but doesn't really, the cinematography should yeah, be there's awesome no, there's no, like, there's yeah, motive in it, there's not enough motive in it. But there's one thing I will say is that it would have been very easy to do that character, it's just your, your kind of stereotypical paparazzi, because most people hate the fuck out of paparazzi because they're mostly fucking creeps here and being on people's eyes. <laughs> scumbags but uh, you know like there's that stereotypical view of paparazzi like fucking down the ground taking photos of gear skirts and football say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Never all this shit. Or no, sorry, that was you. Quiet. Don't be telling the listener. But... I liked how they kind of made it more, more business-driven. You know what yeah. I mean? They, they didn't do that. It was all about being There's a business. The empire and, and the empire. Uh, uh, an uh, empire mentality. Mm. I thought that that... Because they could have took the easy way out there. Like, you know what I mean? It is you, fucking you, roasting in this tent. <laughs> I really cannot handle it anymore. Right. You, you know what it was, right? For an hour. You know the thing was, right? I mean, I, I, I'll move on from it as well. But, you know, it's like... There's two ways you can take the cinematography. One is that it's shot so wide, like, wide and far away the way, you know... Danny Boyle or Ken Loach would do it yeah. it's that kind of thing where they take a yeah. step back to show you bad shit he's doing and that there's nothing he can do about it but the shit he's not doing is that bad but what, what they're showing is like you know when he cuts he, he cuts the brake cables in somebody's car it's, it's just like a detail shot you know there's no yeah. and then and then you see what happens to the car later I, I know that's sort of realistically how it should happen and this kind of stuff and, and I suppose in terms of a realistic thing you're following him the whole way through it and you're not and that's that's the sort of mark of of you're following someone's insanity in a film. Like if, yeah. if they've just you're following that one guy, and it's good they not show the other scenes. But I, ju- I just think there was a, an opportunity there where the creator got a wee bit weird with the cinematography. I know that that part you're talking about specifically. I did think that it was a bit odd that you see him uh, doing the yeah. right things, but then it immediately goes on to a whole different bit where he's... But then it comes back and you, you see that you see the, the vans crash and this kind of I stuff. I know, I know, but it's it just seemed like there was a bit too much in that bit. I, I always thought that. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. My, um, oh, for, oh, is it you? No, just my one. I'll keep it very quick because we're not done that one. Uh, to be honest, there's probably a few. It might be unfair. It, it's the King's Speech. Don't get me wrong. I really like the King's Speech. I think it's a really good drama and stuff like that. When it came out, won a lot of Oscars. Uh, Everybody was going crazy for it. It was kind of like the imitation game that I talked about a few weeks back. It's just a very well-constructed, atypical drama. But it's just elevated by two really good performances by mm-hmm. Jeffrey Rush and uh, Colin Firth. I think uh, I think it's a play those, too. It's based on a play yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And without mm. those performances, and I think usually with plays, it's it's more about the acting. And they nailed that part. But as a film, it looks pretty. It looks your kind of typical period piece. Mm. But people talked about it like, oh, it's one of the best fucking dramas the past whatever whatever and all this kind of I kind of feel I like there's no danger in it I'm yeah. kind of with you there's no danger in that film there's no stakes I really is there mean, there are stakes because obviously if he if he can't rise up and, and be able to give a speech I think they do kind of overstate the fact that his speech basically won World War 2 which is not the case but because it kind of you know <laughs> oh, I, I think we all know it does yeah <laughs> <laughs> it kind of gallered everybody yeah. toward you know against Hitler and, and the rise of yeah. fucking Nazis they just, had, they just had it in their iP- iPods the whole time just you I know, know. As they were we, we could have done we could have done the podcast Nazis, I, mean, like, you know? Like, you know? I see a Nazi's bunch of bastards don't last <laughs> 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 why am I mad right on them 
<laughs> still can give him a fucking football away on Christmas Day, like, you know, still fucking knock a wee ball around me, I'm like, you know, sort of, you know, uh, oh. it's Christmas. It's just me, like, it's Christmas, like, oh. That was World War One, coming on. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. Don. Uh, you were mentioning cinematography in films. Uh, have you ever seen Only God Forgives? Yes. Uh, it's the same thing I was saying about Brian De Palma. I could still over content. See, I really enjoyed it because there's no other real film like it. It's just mm-hmm. like the cinematography and everything is just it's fucking brilliant looking. And I mean, but do you not think it's all cinematography? Yeah. No, but I, th- I think. That a ba- that's, but that's a bad thing. <laughs> Dawn, that's a bad thing. But no, but no, but hold on, no, no. But there, Dawn, I'm sorry, what the, there's other elements they follow. <laughs> no, but see, <laughs> there's a thing, right? Is that I think. When you have somebody who's so visually driven, you know, like your man, or you have uh, Brenda Palma, and uh, what's his Nicholas Wyndham Raffin? Nicholas Wyndham Raffin. Look at that. You're fucking. So like he's a man in a fucking shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bad summer up back there. Your man down Bridge made that one go for a goose. He makes a queer for some crap. Anyhow, you're you're a man, and I. It's. I think what brings the film back up is is the performances, but new lines like "I want this head on a platter" and stuff. Uh, you know, you're like, I oh, can't fucking. You've heard those lines. Rain it on. It's like a fucking fucking it like, you know, GCSE. It seems like there was there was too much like, focus on the look and the aesthetic of it, and it just it just needed more development than me. I mean, it could have been one of these really fucking vivid, neony, mad, visceral films, but it just, for me, it just didn't do it. It could I have felt. been Drive again, you know what I mean? But It could have been, aye, but it, it just, there wasn't enough inventiveness in the actual action of the film for me, hey? Uh, I think Drive got away with, because Drive is very much a lot of style, and there's none of what else. So I think that the sort of vacancy mm. of the relationship between uh, Ryan Gosling and, fuck, what do you call her? Amy Mulligan, is it? Kerry Mulligan. Kerry Mulligan, Kerry Mulligan. That sort of really distant relationship where they can never really be together because he's a that's, fucking psychopath. That's the best thing about it. That's like, the best thing about the mm. film. And then obviously it looks fucking gorgeous. And then, so, you know, they the all, but I, I loved as well that for a film that's presented as driving, it's supposed to be a chase film. There's only one really proper, as you would you would say, stereotypical chasing. But drive, storyline wise, is fucking pepper thun. Oh, yeah. Only thun. God Forgives is pepper thun. thun. Uh, Waffer thun, now. But <laughs> so is Only God Forgives. But the thing that Only God Forgives doesn't have is that sort of, at least that that sort of relationship between two characters or a sort of emotive pull. Uh, I think it's push. I think there's... There, <laughs> there you go. I think there's, there's not something in, in Only God Forgives that the actors can kind of... It doesn't matter what aesthetically is going on or something. That's something the actors can transcend aesthetically yeah. as performers, and I think that's that's sort of the, the way they draw the ball a wee bit. Like, I think a lot of it too, and I'm literally going to finish on this. You were saying it's a marmite film. It definitely was a marmite film because it was one of the few films that I've seen in recent history where it was named on some critics' best films of the year, and then our critics' worst films of the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I <laughs> the, the shit list, but. Uh, yeah, I think as well it had a lot they love up because it was the partnership of you know Wind and Reffin and Gosling and uh, it would have been because Drive was such a fucking massive yeah, cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it didn't happen. But I still think I really forgotten films place me out the pains, hey. And I'll just say it very quickly and then we'll move on. We'll be talking about it in another <laughs> at another we'll time. We'll talk about that in another time. We'll oh, put that man. one on ice for, for, for the meantime. Fucking love that film. Anyway. Uh, my one was Terminator Salvation. Yeah. I didn't hate it. <laughs> didn't hate it. Yeah, I was about to say did anybody love that film? I was like, I can't remember. No, no, no. It's it's love or hate. Everybody hated. I I thought it was grand. Mm. I thought it was grand. Okay, I mean, 
and Mary. It's good it to see Mick G actually directing for once, like you know. It's good to see Mick G do something good. Just. Oh yeah, but just, uh, I mean, I, I fang- fingers reason, were for, f- for solidly some, taken out of holes, like you know. <laughs> you know for some reason, for I, I seem to really like everything that Mick G does. Oh my, Do you like Charlie's Angels, though? Yeah. Oh my. And I and I liked what was that other one? Give me a coat. Uh, are you, this, this means uh, war, and this I, means war was good. And I liked mm-hmm. that TV show I did, Fastlane. Oh, it's so bad. We're a woman in a safe bill of bill. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. How are you on the podcast? Like? <laughs> and, <laughs> about films. And, uh, <laughs> super, and he's, he was a right. producer in Supernatural as well. Really like Supernatural. <laughs> I feel a fucking mutiny coming on. Like, <laughs> 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 that I know, it's, it's, it's my secret shame. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like I, 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 found, I found out that like a couple of like a couple of, like I didn't realise it was McGee at the, uh, the term of salvation and then I think it was when, when I seen This Means War and then I was seen it and I was like oh that was our right. I, I found uh, out uh, it was McGee and I was like fuck actually uh, I like all McGee's films uh, well actually I haven't seen Charlie's Angels 2 so I don't know about that one don't, don't, don't encourage them <laughs> but, uh, but yeah no. that, that, that was my one uh, This Means War to be honest I have to say This Means War it was that's how we always say. We give it a time of day now. It's right. Oh, it's he was he spoke about this. It's time of day time with Colin Hearn. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it's a. Uh, let's see. Hang on. Let's pause it up. What you've, time of day? You've, you've just finished your Sunday roast, right? You're you're hanging out. You're like you're you're flicking around. Season two or three of Friends is sort of you're hopping between that and Top Gear and you're kind of beating around. You know, you don't really think about too much, right? This means war starts at about three o'clock and you're like, all right, then, well, they fuck. Right. And that that's like a precursor then to your atypical Jumanji on ATV2. About six o'clock, you're nicely rounded on uh, there. About exactly. six o'clock, your roast is just settling on. Like, you have a good 40 minutes in, they make a wee sandwich for yourself <laughs> out of said roast that you had earlier. Like, you know a what I mean? Bag of chips and a brace ah, or something. You know, you, know what, hey, you know all about it. Like, World's your oyster. Yeah, right. Right, hey. Okay, not okay. We'll move. On to another topic. Who wants to go? Topic? Shan or Heron? Was that a topic? I fuck it, I'll go. Uh, my one uh, is going to be pretty short this week, and it is. Uh, the only reason I'm doing it because I literally got a uh, email today from a listener. Thank you. Our second email. Danke schön. Uh, <laughs> do, do you want to give him a name? Uh, his name's Eddie Curran, guy I knew years ago. Uh, tell can- me, know them. No, but he, that's what I'm saying. I knew him years ago. I haven't spoken to him in years, so it was kind of it was it was all the more it's gratifying like when that he came back to me. It was just whoops a car, put up in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just me emailing myself. He knows him. I, uh, Mickey sent me a text today saying, "Go and say I, uh, I, I sent you an email, bringing us up." What you don't know? I'm paying boy, I'm boys and work fivers to email us. But any permits came just? He sent an email today asking a, a, a very good question. He was referring to uh, the act of killing. It's uh, Oppenheimer documentary from two thousand and twelve. Think not quite. I think it's Indonesia, but it's these men who've committed genocide and they kind of recreate the crimes that they've committed through like their own fiction films, I've like seen, you know, I've like seen that, so westerns yeah. and shit like that. Mm. And it's one of the most unsettling watches you ever see because these men are fucking awful human beings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Created, they've done these awful crimes, but they're kind of making light of it through like this sort of. Sort of light-hearted, sort of fucking genre. Thing. It's sort of like uh, they're trying to. It's but from trying to use satire to get away from it. I, from exactly. I know satire can take you very far, but probably not that far. But as far as that, yeah. Eddie's <laughs> I mean. question was like, hey, it's true enough. I see doing a, a cowboy kind of pastiche. It really doesn't get you away from fucking murdering people. <laughs> you know what I mean, it doesn't Aye. get you away from that. Aye. But uh, he asked the question: Are doc or should documentaries be considered? Films, and my answer, damn, 
uh, or my answer to him is yeah they should because for me documentaries like fiction films are still constructed they still have a narrative goal now fair enough the only difference with documentaries is that you can't plan it out with actors and stuff like that and it might change and you might have to change your sort of narrative goal as it flows along but it still has a narrative goal and the main thing that I think mixed documentaries films is the sheer fact of editing because anything that's edited is constructed in such a way to create a sort of it's narrative. A, uh, it's a drama exactly. technique. It's, yeah, it's a drama technique. Of course, mm. it, it's created in such a way to achieve a sort of narrative coherence or a sort of uh, narrative endgame. Mm. Jeez, I'm getting properly like My hands are going everywhere. I'm, 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 I'm doing the proper like sort of technique. Tom Cruise with hands just. Exactly. I'm like a fucking ninja in here. Karate <laughs> job on me. Worried about the mics. Fucking. I know. The, the mics might go in a minute. But... <laughs> For me, and I remember uh, being like told when I was back at uni and stuff like that, and it was it was a question that always stuck with me because I never actually considered it until I went there. It is, is there actually a true documentary? Because basically, ninety nine percent of documentaries are edited in some way. So essentially, ninety nine percent of documentaries are fictionalized in some way because you're cutting out certain Jesus, things. That's an you know what I mean? Point, you're cutting out certain things, and you're not actually truly fully reflecting life, which is what documentaries supposed to supposed to document life. There was one film. Uh, not one film there's been a couple of films but the only one that pops into my head it's I can't remember what year I think it's called Empire State it's by Andy Warhol it's more an art piece and it's it's essentially just the Empire State Building shot continuously for like fucking like 12 hours is it the Empire State Building? it's the Empire State I Building I thought no it's the Empire State Building obviously it's not a very exciting watch it is literally just well, lights going on and up, but they said as an art piece it's the only it's the only true yeah. at the time the only true documentary Jesus, I mean, you, could, you could take that even further too like I mean as in <laughs> any any journalism you hear or any yep. you know anything at all any news you hear and you know, just anybody just you just take that whole just that small Hypothesis, you it have, does. and it's, just it's, go on. It's, just, say, it's a bit of a head melter. Like it's a pursuit of truth, and it's it's sort of hard because you know everything's sort of subjective, and the opinions of the people you listen to, it's all just about the the opinions you like the most, or you respect the most, the ones you gravitate towards, and yeah. and everything's constructed in somewhere or another. Exactly, yeah. everything is packaged in some sort of way. Well, especially in the media, everything is packaged like news, yeah. like we're saying, news, news. I think is packaged. Yeah sometimes they kind of take our eye yeah. away from someone that we, we shouldn't be looking at and you know in a very cynical mm. way but I think that it's really I mean like you could write books and tomes and yeah. you could argue until you're fucking blue in the face about that topic and you'll never come to the sort of end game I, I think it's pointless arguing about it exactly honest, but the only thing I'll say and I said that I keep my topic kind of short is that for me documentaries are films because they're constructed and they do have a, a sort of narrative purpose uh, the, the, you know a documentarian it's not like he, he fucking lands to your house and goes I'm just going to shoot you but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing a documentarian and whoever else involved with the film they obviously have someone that they want to get they, they have an end game they have an end goal yeah, that right, they want to well, get well, to uh, that's, that's what I was going to say about documentaries is that pretty much every documentary it has some sort of point of view and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they what makes them want the go on they make in the documentaries Either they think this particular way, or they want to examine is it is something that actual way, and I think they 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 have a certain way that they want to construct it. Yes, and that's the way they'll do it. And at an interest, it's I don't know if this kind of goes for my argument or not, but an interesting thing I heard about there was a Lance Armstrong documentary I think out last year. I can't even mind the name of it, but. Uh, they they shot it over like several years. Is and from a dream now. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, when they first started shooting it, 
it was before the whole doping scandal came out, right. and then that came out as that's a they, bad joke, actually. Sorry, as as they, <laughs> it it all. it came it came it's out it came out uh, during when they were shooting it. Right. So then they had to change the whole narrative of the film, basically, uh, because it started off as a celebration of Lance Armstrong and everything yeah. he achieved, and then, and then it was they, a it, fucking huge indictment of yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. Maybe taking another way is you know both with documentary and film. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either medium. I suppose. I suppose it's what what story you're attracted to or why you want to make it. Whether you're a journalist or a documentarian or you're, you know, a drama, you know, filmmaker, yeah. I suppose, I suppose, it's your job as they try and tell us and what's, you know, why it's given to you or why or why you go for it in an ideal world is because you're, you know, they think you're the right person for the job or you you think you're the right person for the job if you cast yourself in that role and I don't know. I suppose whether you know the old truths are told to you through through drama or whether they're told to you in documentary. I suppose it's sort of. I don't know. This was this was the truth of someone's subjective opinion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, unless unless there's bigger hands that get involved, and then it becomes another thing of shaping it. You know, it, it's hard to know. But you know, unless it's a true auteur, then you're getting the you're getting the true opinion of one person and what they saw and what they believe about it. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's hard to know. But and and that there is some sort of truth too. Like I don't know. Feel like I've, I've always seen it as a documentary film would be something like uh, Super Size Me. Mm-hmm. Something like that doesn't really get an award, whereas a, a documentary, other type of documentary, would just be on the television, like a special uh, event or something. Well, see, I'll, I'll tell you now, Is you ever see American movie? No. That's that's one of the, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's about this guy. He lives he lives in North America, and uh, he's been struggling as a a low budget horror filmmaker for years. Mm-hmm. And the documentary is about him continuously trying to make these low budget horror films. And he keeps like you know he keeps he maxing out these credit cards and getting his grand that he fund his films and all that sort of stuff <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But the guy's such a such a the guy's such a fucking I know. And then he's all, but you you know you're gonna be like an executive producer in my movie. And I was kind of thinking, oh, and the grand the grand I kind of. You know, that's like what the fuck and all, and then I'm he's gonna fucking skip. I know, and <laughs> he's gonna print all these DVDs and all this kind of stuff and all. But you know, there's there's a strange heart and a strange way just just real rudimentary kind of that they just they just they got the guy that was just such a character but he was so he was real too and he just told you that he didn't give a fuck about what was going on he, he would tell you what was going on you know like there was this one moment where another credit card comes through the post and he's all oh right on i got another credit card <laughs> oh. and that's kind of stuff and you're just like fuck me and you're watching this Really happen, real yeah. thing, you know, just, just a story just unfolding for all the and exactly. you know that it's not obviously it does edit, but it's not really mm. fictionalized. This is somebody like a real person. I yeah. think I engage even more. There's one that's very similar to that there, and I think it was one of the most feel good things I've ever seen. A documentary, and it's uh, Anvil, obviously, and it's aye, a, it's aye. a story of this of this fading Canadian sort of rock band, and they're still out there and they're playing these fucking toilet <sighs> gigs. And then they actually make it big again and age. It's like a real life spinal tap, you know yeah. what I mean? It actually is. Yeah. And it's fucking so heartwarming. The, the fella, I can't remember his name, but you just want to fucking hug the fucking bacon, you know what I mean? You just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just like, oh, keep going, lad, keep going. But yeah, oh, not the book, fast fuck again. It's come my way. Drink, drink it. Drink, drink, drink. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to. I don't want to drink it, man. I don't drink it. Heron, we'll go on to you. Um, well, I suppose it's tipping off from you were talking about uh, Jurassic World and 
me talking about contact as well. You could set a man on fire with that. I, I just can't. I, I, you could fucking strap a car with it too, couldn't you? Hey? <laughs> Back to Pit that ever call you want, eh? That's pissed off. But uh, <laughs> I was saying, as uh, I just tapping off from contact in Jurassic World. Um, just the idea of CGI on film and just moments where, you know, either you found out after that it was CGI and you didn't know or moments that are obviously there and are really annoying to you. Like, for, I'll give you two moments that I'm thinking of. Is I went to see uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and uh, it was just that moment where the plane, there was, I think it was, in, it was in the first trailer as well, where the plane rises to the horizon mm. and it's like a silver plane. I was just—I mean, it's a gorgeous shot where the sun had sitting the plane silver, and it's a gorgeous shot, but you just know it's not real as balls. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's—it's it's that kind of thing of what made Indiana Jones really, really good was was how how B movie it was, and how 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 they could do it. And it's just like how hard is they fly a fucking plane to the horizon? Just like, <laughs> come off it, like you know what I mean? You lazy bastards. You fucking did. Hey. Oh, did I woke up to England and airport? Hey, Jack, one get their home movies going on. But no, but I'm saying, like, if you're Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, fly it up and just fucking get your shot. The thing, right? The thing is, I oh, sort of the thing I started thinking about this, right? Is that somebody who can do effects as good as something like Jurassic Park, you know, and to the point that where it blends between you're noticing the effect and not noticing the effect, you know, I think. In Jurassic Park, it's very hard to point them out. I mean, there's the first scene at the very start when they when when they reveal the dinosaurs. That's now I think that's a bit more noticeable. But like so for dinosaurs example, in Jurassic Park. No, just, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just big massive cat. Uh, honey, honey, I blew up a fucking cat. Just <laughs> honey, but, uh, size of me cat. Uh, honey, fucking size up. I just but uh, <laughs> scatter. <laughs> but uh, I think it's like. It, the scene I'm referring to is the scene where the kids and all and the T-Rex comes out not there yeah. that's you know what I mean that's mind blowing like, it's fucking and crazy it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of models and CGI and it's just it's yeah. so fucking well done and it's just there's just in that last in that last Indiana Jones you're just watching it going and there's that scene with the monkeys and all and you're just watching it going oh come on you know seriously like you know and it's that point where you do question whether somebody could have made this look like it was real life and did they slightly go We'll just make it just look like a wee bit of an effect, so people yeah. goes, "Oh, it's a really good effect." Because if it's a really, if because it, if it's that good that you don't notice it, your effect won't get noticed and you won't get the credit. Yeah. No, but that's what effect should be. Exactly. That's what they, no, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what they should be. But you, I was kind of wonder if they go right. We've got this up at a hundred percent here. We take it on about ninety-five, so people just go, "That's a really good effect." <laughs> instead of going, town. "That's not an effect," <laughs> and the, then the exo- I'll just I'll say another example where you don't know it's an effect. It's like Michael Mann used a white out of in Collateral. Mm. There's a scene in the alley where he disarms the two boys. Mm. That's against a green screen. That's a fuck. And it really? It is I. I thought the whole thing about that film, the whole thing about Michael Mann's, it likes to shoot practical on location. I thought that was all LA, the, the, in LA. The train scene at the end is entirely green screen as well. Ah, that kind of takes away from it a bit. I kind of like the realness of it. Fuck Did you know the one point? You can't tell them. You can't, that's it's what really? I'm saying. You wouldn't have known. That's why it was True. so good. That's and so, right. so good. I actually and know. that's a really good example. And then... I'll tell you the one point I noticed it. It was uh, I, w- I was watching a scene in it, and then uh, it's just from Tom Cruise. Uh, spoiler, dies. And uh, is he dying? He's sitting fucked in the back of the train at the end. Of it. Nah. He slumped over. What did you I think? think? I don't think I've ever seen. Just Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Just fucking down. Like, uh, 
Patrick Swayze down the show. He's all hey, hey Tom, go for a pint. He's all right then. You're, you're dead actually, just so you know. <laughs> so all right, did he fucking shoot? Oh fuck, sick. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's just the scene where where he says, uh, "Guy gets on the, the MTA here and dies." Do you think it'll be unnoticed? And then he, his head just goes down and he dies. <laughs> and at that moment, his head goes down. A tree comes out from behind him. You know the way the shot does. Yeah. It just passes, and I was just oh fuck me, that was really well timed. Because it's like it's you know sometimes there's that duality between death and life in films, and I was yeah. going fuck, that was really time. And then I just started watching these features on it, and then sure enough, that's one of the things they timed was the the tree. Excellent. And that's that's you know whatever. That's I me. I'm going to well actually it's CGI in films. I'm going to make one point and then go for yet another pinch because that vodka and that buckfast combination is fucking running through me and I can't say anything about the toilet. But uh, you were saying at the start about like uh, your first point about a plane and the horizon and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I'm going to just kind of flip a mirror on that. Right. Obviously that was CGI. You thought it looked pinch. You thought it should have been a practical effect. Mm-hmm. What a re- and yet again, I'm going to come back to John Carpenter. I'm sorry but everybody gets to come oh, back to John Carpenter. Love him, man. But I mean... I, I, I'd love to, last week. I just, I know, I just, I know, I, 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 talk, I talk about him every fucking week. <laughs> but uh, last week, just before I fucking went off on uh, on my, my holidays or whatever, we watched uh, Escape from New York. It's because we're doing this podcast, we're talking about so much, I'm uh, kind of going over his filmography again. We watched uh, Escape from New York, and obviously, fucking the practical effects not following it's fucking shocking fucking like. out of this world yeah. they actually shot downtown I think it was Detroit these because Detroit was so fucked up and run down a real fucking shithole mm. in the 80s that they could use it and mock it up as this kind of fucking fucking wrecked future dystopian future that's what I'm looking for mm. but there's one point I'm, I'm just gonna a con- wrecked future <laughs> I just despite a wrecked future, despite <laughs> fucking fuck off future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just contrasting the whole plane scene, there's obviously when Snake Pliskin, when he's going on at the very start, oh, he's going on the zip plane and stuff like that, that's all fucking miniatures and it looks mm. unreal. It, I mean, especially for like 1980 Aye. fucking two or something like that, Aye. it looks absolutely unbelievable. And you contrast that, a practical effect in 1982, and I think Kingdom of Crystal Stokes. Crystal Skull was 2007, 2008 mm. and they were just lazy bastards and done it CGI and it probably aye. cost 10 times as much know, and it doesn't look half as aye. good. I'll tell you one more from Escape New York. It's the opening when I think they're just setting up the Saint Snake in and he's done it a few times at the start of Halloween when they had a cover up. They had a redo a shot and they covered it up. They covered it up with a black mm. when they when they moved through a scene and they covered it up with a black mat. But it's kind of like the whole shot sometimes goes black or maybe just the middle of it goes black, but they track it, yeah, so that they can they can seam the two shots together with a bit of black, and they do at the start of that, and I think it's it's the Empire or no, it's the, the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. and so they go from the office and then they move to the Statue of Liberty. It's like an it's a very small it's an insert shot almost, but they use the black they seam it together, and it's so simple and it's such a it's just a wee film take a wee film mm-hmm. trick, but they use the black they seam it together. From their set to the uh, Statue of Liberty. But it's like rewatching it last week. I think sometimes when you watch older films, especially older films with effects in it, if you haven't seen them in a while, you kind of panic. You think, fuck, I really love this film. Am I going to watch it now? I kind of more mature or I kind of more mm. trained eye and think that looks pish. I mean, and it kind of ruins I, your, your I mean, thought on the film. That's the thing I was even saying. I brought up it was my first film like I watched last week, uh, Seven Days of May. Mm. All it was shot on location apart from the cars, and it just it just it just gives you that real. But it's, oh, it's, it, it has so such much an more impressive, espionage man. texture to it. Like, do you know what I mean? 
just as a very kind of fucking thrown on point before I, I, I go off the toilets here. Do you know the way when Snake is coming on under the city? Uh, and he's got like this sort of wireframe of the city. Aye. That technology was there at the point. So what they done was they, I think, anyway, it was actually James Cameron who was working as, as a special effects artist on Escape from New York. Jimmy Cameron. Jimmy Cameron. They, they basically blacked out the buildings and put like lights around them. They recreate that sort of frame that happens. But uh, anyway, yeah, I swear to fuck yeah. But anyway, I'm going to the toilet. Chat amongst yourselves. I thought it was the fucking GPS and I... Volkswagen, no. Volkswagen, or a Volkswagen, a Vauxhall, what was that? A Vauxhall Astra GTE. <laughs> Honestly, fuck, I thought it was because it's identical. It was, they were like one of the first people, Vauxhall, to do that. But uh, what I was going to say, uh, we seen Jurassic World this week and uh, comparing it to Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. I think people were kind of a bit underwhelmed by the, the dinosaurs in Jurassic World. But I think that just kind of speaks to how well they were done in Jurassic Park. <clears throat> I, I mean, think I... Jurassic Park was what ninety three. It could be franchise fatigue too, like. Well, no, I no, it. I think it is just that Jurassic Park just got so right, and it is the mixture of the practical and the effects. I mean, uh, and I think I think there's very little practical effects in Jurassic World. I would say no. There's there there's basically None? there's there's one shot where you can tell it's a practical effect. And I'm not going to give away what the shot is, but it's like, apart- like a sore thumb. No, no, no. It's no. It works really well. It looks really good. But apparently, the, uh, Colin Trevorrow, the director, had a fight they used to get that puppet what a made for the pack of decades. If they fight the, oh. no, because there's 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 stuff you could you could go to in Jurassic World that you could say that could easily be done practical. I mean, e- even even it's going so back- second, like it's so fucking annoying. Like even going back to Jurassic Park, and you know when you. Uh, one of the first times when the uh, T Rex comes in and you see the big foot go down, that's a practical foot. And there's there's times with the with the new I can't even mind what you call the new dinosaur in Jurassic World, but there's there's times where you see Rex or something. Like Chico. Where you see a big Chaz. foot go down. <laughs> <laughs> where you see a big foot go down and you just think <laughs> I'm sorry, Mickey. You threw me about that one. <laughs> You, but you see a big foot go down, and that could have been practical. Like, and there's there's parts as well with with them training the raptors. They they have these they have these kind of they have they have these kind of head holster things for the raptors that kind of hold the raptors in place when they're like, like, a, like a sort of Doberman thing. Aye, right, but uh, it's it's literally all you see. Jazz is, one of that. All all you all you see is all you see is the raptor head, and it's a big thing coming across. And that could have easily been practical as well, but that's CG as well. You can tell it's CG. Yeah, there was one thing I really, f- and it's just odd that they don't they don't embrace. What are, what are they, yeah, I really like. I, I think that I think and filmmaking especially sometimes CG if you've got the money it promotes fucking lazy filmmaking. There was one thing. Those, and it's actually. It's, I, it's, I was trying to say with Zemeckis though is that he fucking he does it. You know, I I know in Forrest Gump. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you there, but it's just it's that thing of. I mean, Zemeckis, like, for example, like, Forrest Gump, you, you, you ha- it had to be in the film. Like, you mm. needed it, like... And, for example, in Contact, there was Bill Clinton in that there, which actually stirred up a lot of controversy mm. because they weren't allowed to use him and they didn't ask for it. But yeah, because anyway. he was the current president. Usually they go for a president. No, but they past. didn't actually ask for permission to use oh, him. So they just said, I fuck, I just fuck, I did, I fuck. But uh, I, I know in Forrest Gump, anytime you see this guy, it's it's not real. What? Uh, this guy's all fictional, apparently, in Forrest Gump. Why? It's like a it's fucking sky. There's plenty of it. They shoot like no, 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 no. You, you no, didn't but see the sky they shot. What? You, that, you've only seen the sky that they put in, 
and mm. you thought it looked grand because you never exactly. But, but the... you never questioned the sky. So no, you, but I mean, I mean, the sky was because the sky. It's a fucking sky. No, but but it might have No, but like texturally, texturally, they fit the scene and they fit where he was and this kind of thing. This but every scene. Was this is what I've uh, seen from the facial effects thing? Totally I did. love and jumping. Uh, anyway, fuck, that is incredible. I'm, I'm drawing a line on this. Oh, as Dolan, do you have anything to say on CG? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I thought you were just going to give a one line. I fuck it or something. That's exactly. Okay, so I fuck up where's Danger Ball. Well, I know, friends. Dolan has been working away that Danger Ball. And it seems like any time he's waste, it's the only time he falls off the fucking wagon. At the same time. It's that warm in this fucking tent. The dawn is now two foot tall. We've all just <laughs> melted under our fucking seats. Right, right. Just, just to finalize, finalize that point. The points are all kind of done, aren't they? Aye? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give us an example. Your best CGA example and your best uh, practical effect example in your head. My my favorite. My favorite. Or we C- could just cut this whole bit. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no. Fuck, no, fuck, no. Talk about uh, my favorite. My favorite CGA example is uh, the start of the two towers where Gandalf and the Balrog are falling down. It's fucking unreal, isn't it? Uh, Gandalf's just fucking wailing on that Balrog, just stabbing that fucking Here, neck actually, in. as you're on it, fucking Viggo came out and says fucking... Uh, Too much CJ and Peter Jackson. He, 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 he says the life. first one, he says the first one was actually because we had they stick their points. And it was more natural. Uh, it was practical effects, it was all here, and he says, I think... When they realised, I think he did say Peter Jackson, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it in case it's wrong. But I think he yeah, says when they did realise that they could get a lot away, get away with a lot of CGA. He says the films became far more CGA driven, which he thinks destroyed the films a wee bit. And I actually, my favourite still a Fellowship, just because the look and the atmosphere of yeah, it. Yeah, my favourite's a Fellowship because it looks the most real. But I, I still, I fucking absolutely love that trilogy. I've said it a couple of times in this uh, podcast. Brilliant. But I mean, if, there's, if, he, if he take that on, then like the Hobbit trilogy, you yeah. can see the continuation. Of oh, the I mean, like oh, you can see the heavy CGI. I think it's some of the scenes the some of the scenes that do look really well in the Hobbit films are really fucking CGA driven and it, it's really good CGA but it still looks a bit fake you know what I mean you kinda, it you're, you're aware of it it kind of looks like a if, really if, if really you don't good know scene it's in a great, video game you know what I mean if you don't know it's great you know it's You'll a great effect of, of course like, I mean, well, even for example you know uh, Dagger with a Vengeance yeah right you know did you know that that niggers on the board was CG? <laughs> I know that was I. Uh, that was the topic last week. But you know, there's a scene in Dire of Vengeance where they, uh, I think they have a wee shitty car that Samuel Jackson hot wires or whatever, and then they're driving along and they don't have the cell phone in the car. Yeah. Uh, or John shot it when he was in the lift in the previous scene, and then he fucking he pulls over this bar with a Mercedes, and whatever, and he steals a Mercedes because the boy has a cell phone. Whenever I remember that, that whole mm. scene where he's a Mercedes and all, and I just like, I'll oh, go fuck yourself, all this shit. The thing then is when when they when they figure out the thing about the dump trucks, and you know, when he, he fucking grabs a wheel and swings across that there, and they, they burst through part of the, the highway and jump off yeah. a bridge. That there CGA, and you wouldn't even know. No, no. The, the car the car was actually tugged by a winch, tugged by a winch off it, right? And the bricks were put in after, and the winch was taken out then. Excellent. So and you wouldn't even fucking know what like. That's I mean that's some of the best. Like the the only thing. That's the thing. It's used it's used purposefully and wisely, and it's just not. And you wouldn't fucking know it's there. Like they sign off on the on the the opening of the two towers. And I think it's even more effective because it has like fucking some of the opening shots like Gandalf and he just fucking a life of a <laughs> 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 sorry that, that really I, sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry 
I'll rephrase that. I'm a Gandalf for just lying on the club top. Gandalf just stroking his horn. Just. Hey, let me tell you something. Gandalf stroking his wee horn. So, goddamn. Holy oh, shit, God damn. Hey, no, Gandalf Gan- really Gan- is. Gandalf's the Lord of Gandalf's like that fire on that Balrog's nose. Fuck me, that was a good one, Eric. <laughs> hey, Gandalf truly really is the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, there we go, hey. Hey, oh, hey, oh. That's a but, new low for the podcast. <laughs> that's a new low. But anyway, Gandalf's stabbing the fuck out of this kind of dragon wannabe. And he's all, have that there, have that there. And there's lightning and there's flames. And the boys are going fucking mental. And they're falling this bike high. But there's this one shot and I shit my togs. It's a 13-year-old, right? It's this one bike wide. And it's this sort of mountainous area with all this water at the bottom. And it's having the ball roll from a white shot. And they're just fucking slapping that joy to <laughs> And it is absolutely unbelievably satisfying looking. Uh, so is that is that your CG or practical? That's, oh, that's not practical. <laughs> 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 that's what I'm Apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme was a ball rock. Ball rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck, my favourite practical thing. I would say, just because I can't think anything at the moment, I think that uh, for the time period, Escape from New York had some of the best practical effects, you know what I mean, for its time. Or even... Even Darkstar, another fucking John mm-hmm. Carpenter one, especially because it was made on like a shooting film budget. So yeah, yeah. something else going on now. I have a quick question. What do you feel about skipping away? Push. That's absolute bollocks. Absolutely, right, so, just, just so oh, bad. Oh, anytime somebody tries to bring up Escape from LA, all you have to say is <laughs> surfboard. Aye. Sur- oh, even surfboard just got you. Yeah. You know what I'm surfboard talking about. Surfboard says it all. Like, you know, I mean, aye, surfboard. The and fact then you're that it essentially aye. fucking killed aye. Kurt Russell's career aye. says it all. Like. Uh, quickly, man, just probably. Uh, it's, it's not a tremendous a massive shot, but practically it's the shot in Back to the Future 2 when they uh, drop a DeLorean into that back alley. As a practical effect, and they mix them with all the CGI. Slip on the back alley. It just has that thing. It just It just lands. No, but you know the thing, right? The, the car lands, the camera's coming down with it. The car lands, and then they rev the engine, and then the camera just pans around, and it's just like, that's so, it's just in the scene. It's just such a great shot. Like, it just, they're in the future. You know, it, they made it such a great fucking shot. Uh, like, do you remember what I'm talking about? You I can see, exactly you can see it, it's uh, kind of at the back it's wheel. It's at the back wheel, and they must unlock it from the car then, and the camera just sweeps around, and, and, and then they open the door, and you're just all f- that's a great shot they just bring you right into the scene squad that squad it's a practical (laughs) fucking effect too Uh, it's amazing but I mean it's it's always not even the sort of kind of pompous way like oh you know oh CG it's it's so easy and it's just computers you know practical effects is proper filmmaking not even that way but I do genuinely think that some practical effects it just looks better it's not done enough but it looks better because it is real you know what I mean Mm. and I think because our eyes you can touch it up here and there but it does look real because our eyes are trained as fucking human beings they recognise real things we'll notice if something is real or not no matter how good the effect is go on go on so CJ now this is a very unknown thing right we've done Scarface Mm -hmm. see obviously with Jawline hand drawn frame for frame get the fuck out of here you're a fucking lion (laughs) (laughs) thieving bastard bastard. Oh, so God, for frame for frame, her jawline just a tiny wee bit has changed. 
Why? So they 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 basically rotoscope. I I I would love the challenge of shorts. I mean, like, I, I always assumed the way he was doing the kind of brand on golf for with the cotton balls on his fucking cheeks, you know, because he does have a kind of more puffed out fist and scarface. His jaw his jaw's bigger. Uh, it's like his cheeks are sucked sucked down and his jaw is more. I right just thought he put on a wee bit of buttery fucking. I thought up. I thought he just did the thing that they did with Brandon with the cotton balls in each also, cheek. Also, we forgot the news. Don't fax. Ah, it's just it's a, a, it's oh, it, it, fax is that a visual fact? Is that true? <laughs> is that a dumb fax? Well, we just segue nicely into dumb facts then. Yeah, dumb facts begins. Why is it really big on? Why? I my mind is blown. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, something about. I was lying. <laughs> I fucking thought you were. I was going to challenge you on that he one. You actually like. just made up bullshit. It was a good segment. No, it isn't because it's it no, your segment's dumb facts. You can't just make up <laughs> stuff. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> Don bollocks. Don lies. Don bullshit. We're not going to believe a word you say, no? Yeah. No, we will. We can research. Now, we'll start up a. Uh, Reggie Bull was shot in uh, black and white because Scorsese didn't like the color of the boxing glove. Hmm. Bam! It was I know I remember because it was it was it was on a it's it's on the if you buy the two disc DVD it's, it's on the DVD uh, you can read it where I think it's Schrader and Scorsese on set where they talk about it and uh, I think because when they were shooting all the boxing scenes they were shooting in these old boxing halls and things like this. Uh, I think the backgrounds looked dead, but then the, bo- the the gloves they had looked really bright red because it was in color and all the box matches were in bright red. Because I think the boxing gloves back in the day were oxblood, and I think the other ones were like bright red. And and then I think when he says somebody said those those gloves don't look right, they just don't look right. And then I think Scorsese's answer was, "You're right. This film should be shot in black and white." That's fucking. Insane, <laughs> I think and I was. You, a, you know it was the, based on that. Like the you whole know the thing. thing else, do you mm. think for the budget they have for that film, certainly they so kind of got somebody to make it. It was such a fucking. Color. It was so a big coup. It was a big yeah. coup. So did they shoot it in color and then just make it black and white, or I don't know exactly what they were shooting. I think it was a test shoot, and I think they were testing out a few things to see what looked right and wrong. In a way, though, but the the black and white adds so much to that film. Don't fax anymore. Don't fax. Part eight's original title was Sydney. It is Sydney. See, me and you were chatting about this earlier on. No, but... You stole no. one from them? Is it <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I can remember what Sydney was. Aye, it was... No, because I remember... Because there, actually, there's a brilliant yes. book which you should all read called Rebels in the Backlot. It's by... It's by an author called Sharon Waxman who... Uh, Sorry, that's a, that's an oriental sex on you. <laughs> Rebels in the Backlot. <laughs> <laughs> You're as bad as Carl now. I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But uh, what do you call it? Right, no, but it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant book about. It focuses on Tarantino, David Fincher, David Russell, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Robert Rodriguez, and there's another one there too. Uh, fucking Ben John Malkovich. What do you call him? Spike Jones. Spike Jones. It focuses on them. I was going to say John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> John Malkovich, what do you call him? You got it right the first time. Uh, <laughs> uh, John Malkovich writes and directs being John Malkovich. It's a brilliant book, but I got this whole thing. That's where I got all that sort of stuff out of it. And there's a brilliant thing about these 90s filmmakers uh, rising in Hollywood and all. And it's, it's very similar to like the 70s and all when Harper and all, and all these guys were struggling for control over their own films. Yeah. And it's that's kind of where I found it. There's a big sort of case study about Hard Eight in it. Well, I think you were saying the last but obviously like the sort of the Miramax generation all these directors who had a voice who found their, their kind of way through independent cinema and obviously had the likes of Easy Rider it was like a history repeating itself but it's so really interesting I'll give it a fucking juke so are we okay. good for 
Alright, and we'll move on to your recommendations there. And I must demand that we keep recommendations quick because this show has gone on too long and it's too goddamn hot in this fucking blanket for <laughs> So, Shan Coyle, you seem to be peeking up. What's your recommendation? Yeah, I'll shoot on one really quickly. And I think it's one, if you haven't seen it, that you'll fucking absolutely love. It's a film called, uh, I think it's 2013, What If... Uh, it was actually... Oh, Danny uh, Radcliffe? Yeah, it was... Have you seen it? No, I just know of it. Yeah, good, because I think... It's, it's actually more a recommendation for you. It, it was originally titled The F Word in a lot of countries. It was marketed as What If over here. It's Danny Radcliffe. It's Zoe Kazan. It's uh, essentially a rom-com, but it takes a different twist on it. It takes it a different way. In the end, it, it, it kind of falls back into the formulaic sort of rom-com territory, but it's really, really good. The dialogue's excellent. The performances are good. It'll engage you. So, next recommendation. Come on. No, move on. I haven't thought of one properly yet. Okay, I'll go. Go. Uh, My one is Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat, Mm. which they changed at cinema release for some reason. That's strange, yeah. Oh, not cinema release. Two recommendations, and both film titles' names were changed. You know what I mean? That very rarely happens. But anyway... Uh, yeah. I'll just do that over Start here. Start of the game. <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, my, my recommendation is uh, Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat, which they changed at DVD release for some reason. Yeah. It's really weird. That's what's saying how strange that, that we've both got a recommendation where the fallen title's been changed for different markets, well, which I, really happens. Well, I, well actually, uh, before it was Edge of Tomorrow, it, uh, it was based on a book called All You Need Is Kill, and it was actually called that for a while, but then they changed it to Edge of Tomorrow, which is a really bland fucking title. Yeah. And then Live, Die, Repeat is maybe a bit better, but it's just stupid they changed it from cinema release to DVD release. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Doug Liman directing. I think it Doug was. Doug Liman, really? Yeah. Uh, I think it was just cited maybe last year. Last maybe year the was it last year? Last year. It's it's a really good action film. It got it got overlooked at the cinema, and it's just really fun. And yeah. I'd, uh, there's arguments to be said that it's one of the best video game films, even though it's not based yeah. on a video game, but it has the feeling of a video game because it's essentially sci-fi Groundhog Day. Yeah. It, like uh. It's uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Uh, he's fighting this war by Big Brandon's yeah, on it. Brandon Big Gleason. Brandon, yes, <laughs> Brandon's on it. Yeah, Brandon's uh, on it. I, I, does, does he do an American accent? No, he doesn't. He's still got a, it's kind of a middle Atlantic accent. Uh, it's, he it, must be good friends him because remember he played that part in Mission Impossible too. Yeah, did he? Uh, I saw the best of Anyway, um, I so uh, it's Tom Cruise fight, fighting this war, and then every time he dies in battle. He wake, he wakes up at the beginning when he goes and they fight again. Basically, yeah, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, it's kind of like every day I start drinking, basically. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's going to be retailed. You kind of call it Source Cruise, you know what I'm saying? Sci-Fi Groundhog Day. Sci-Fi Groundhog Day. You with me? You with me? Sci-Fi Groundhog Day. Groundhog Tom. But yeah, it's 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 really good film. It's really, really good action, good story. Emily Blunt is amazing in it. She's awesome She's in excellent, it. She's excellent, yeah. It, what do they call her? Something, they call her a bitch or something like that? It's like the, the fucking Sohan of Vienna or some shit like that there. The one thing, <laughs> um, I, the one thing I will call her is, uh, very, very quickly, and we're trying to keep this quick, is I think outside of the whole sci-fi thing and the video game aspect and all the battles, which do look amazing, I think the thing that really pulled me in about that film is the sort of relationship between Emily Bunt and Tom Cruise. I think that's the, the nicest, best thing about the film. Yeah, but great. yeah, anyway. But yeah, great film. Watch it. It's good. Bam. Aaron, Don, who's going? Don, Don, you're up. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Because if you haven't seen it, it's 
I'm glad you should. <laughs> don't, don't call out the audience like that. <laughs> okay, I think that's Don. <laughs> Don just recommended uh, a song, insulted the listener, and then played a very strange tune. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the listener didn't see. He, 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 he also did an interpretive dance. But, um, Heron? I'm trying to think. It sounded really good. You don't have to do one. We can just wrap this shit up. Uh, well, I recommend some. Is where I was on. Alright, you know what? Batman Returns. Recommend that. They fuck. Uh, I suppose it, it's sort of picking up from the practical effects thing. Um, Which one's Batman Returns? The second one with Catwoman. This one. Oh, I, uh, Michael I, Keats. I, Keats. Morning Keats. Morning Keats. And uh, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Christopher Walken. Diana Vito, Christopher Walken, Walken. Max Shrek. Max Shrek. Anybody? Uh, if anybody's under your. Uh, Gothic German German Expressionism Expressionism film uh, Max Schreck was the guy that played Dracula and he's actually not in the Batman comics but uh, Tim Burton put him in because he was a guy that was sucking the blood out of Gotham oh, and he invented oh, it snap. I never that. even got that I, I, I knew the reference but I didn't realise Max Schreck I, I originally played Nosferatu as like a kind of homage but anyway yeah, uh, he sucks the blood like, uh, you know whatever but um, it's I, I actually think it's it's my favourite comic book film I think it's the best comic book film ever made. I think it's, I mean, it might not, people might say, oh, it's not the Batman, and so on, but I think it has the, what comics set out to do, which was uh, Shane and Marupti Society, it has the empirical things, it has, you know, it has the small things of the Catwoman, you know, the people that are not quite right in society, it has, you know, it kind of has everything, and, uh, I don't know. People say it's a disjointed film. I think it's a. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think yeah. it flows really nice. It's it's my favorite comic book film, and it's I have to say it's probably my favorite Tom Burton film. And it's I know people watch Muppets Christmas Carol, which I do love. All is here. It's my Christmas film as well. Yeah, I know exactly where it comes. You know, from. I and love I, it. All in all, it's a great film. People should watch it. Aye. I'll give you. I'll give you a time for it. We'll give you a wee time for it. Oh, give us a wee time, fucker. So everybody's fucked off their bed. All you got is the, the downstairs, you got a fridge, you got some beer, you got some scotch. What was that? <laughs> now they're asleep, it's grand. You go in the living room, you turn the TV on, you can smoke now because nobody else smokes and you get a wee smoke to yourself. You have a glass of wine or a glass of scotch. Knee deep in a selection box? Knee deep in a selection box. You flick it on. Batman. Batman with fucking turns. Keats. Walks, defeats, fives. That is a Christmas Eve, my friend. Okay, we'll wrap it up there, everybody. <laughs> if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook at Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us at Twitter at Talk More Movies. And you can send us an email. Let's talk more movies at gmail.com. Yay, yay! <laughs> Sign that shit out. Oh. <laughs> that was fucking <laughs> 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 <laughs>